It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Actually, we'll have a PCC poll for the end of this, but that's about it. We got to talk about Summer League because tonight the Cavaliers have a chance to bring a championship back. Those rings. Hey, if we we held a parade for 0-16, don't we have to hold a parade for Summer League League title? By the way, we got to talk about, and I know G's excited about it. I know Earl's excited about it. Let's talk about the MVP for the Cavs in this Summer League. He has been amazing. I'm excited about his future. The great Isaiah Mobley. He's been absolutely unreal. He led the Cavs to their win against the Nets. I think Isaiah Mobley is the next. Forget Evan Mobley. Forget Evan. (laughs) Isaiah Mobley. He is the man. I mean, if he can score. So you're being sarcastic (laughs) because your your point here is Summer League means exactly what the Browns are going to wipe off their orange helmets. That's right. Nothing. That's right. Isaiah. Now, listen, they're doing a nice job. and You'd rather win than lose. Of course, it's it's fun. Let them win. I hope they win. Who are they playing, by the way, in this championship game? Playing Houston, Houston Rockets. Tonight at 9. Tonight at 9. They're playing, so, it's the faux Cavs against the faux Houston Rockets. It, that's really yeah. what it is. It's uh, actually kind of the real Houston Rockets because they're so young. They're a young. Lot of their and, actual players yeah. are still first or second year guys and are playing in this. Yeah. You by know, the way, and they will beat the Cavs. Also, tonight. interesting note about uh, Imani Bates. He and I are very close in total assists for the Cavs. <laughs> we're, we're neck and neck. He barely has him. more assists than the three of us put together. That's right. That's, that's McNuggets, that is the new talking point. The new talking point. <laughs> Don't forget all the other stuff. Hey, he's the up new. to .6 assists. How does he have it's only the assist three that we assists at. in five games? It's looking like, it's, no, it's just a way to bust your chest. Hey, yeah, I know. It's, just, <laughs> it's a new thing. Uh, now, 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 all of that being said, he had his best game He's in done the a nice summer job. league. He's done a nice He job. was 8 of 13. Yeah. More importantly for me, he was 4 of 5 from three-point range. But again, and seven rebounds. He, play, he played a nice, rounded game. If you take out of the equation, he doesn't share the basketball. Right. He's done a nice – in terms of scoring, he's done what you could have hoped in this I, in this. I, I, think, I, think, I think he moves the basketball, assists are, uh, you know, are a function of guys putting the ball in the hoop. To me, I just want him to make the right basketball play. If that basketball play is to reverse the ball, swing it, that's fine with me. If it don't end up in a three-pointer or, or an assist, that's fine. I just want to see you doing the right basketball thing. I think when you watch this game, um, I was so impressed by this because if you watch the first game he played, he was the Eastern Michigan uh, Imani Bates. We pull it up. We doing a lot of things. I think he has some good – I think he had uh, better spacing. I think he moved well without the basketball. And I'll, and I'll say that I like the fact that he crashed offensive, offensive uh, glass, got a tip in. He got a big-time three-point shot to kind of put him up uh, at the end of the game. And, you know, for me, as a person who was an athlete, I think all of these things, yeah, it might be summer league for these guys, right? But I'm a person of competition. I, Coach Prime said this the other day. He said when he was doing his program, he said what I want – it's competition everywhere. Give me two tables right here for ping pong. Give me two pair for air hockey. Give me, I, get a, give me a ring over here for boxing. 
And what, what he's trying to set up when you were with a program like Colorado, who was one in something, or when you were with the Cleveland Cavaliers, who, who have not done anything without LeBron James, you're trying to set a culture of we want competition, anything that we keep us scoring, I want to win. So the Cavs, of course, this might not affect Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland and all those rest of those guys, but I'm building, I, we're trying to build winning habits. And when you're dealing with a player like Imani Bates, who has not had winning habits, I look at it as small victories, building the solid habits. I look at improvement from year to year. It was a joke Isaiah Mobley was just in on the friends and family plan. He was a T-Mobile guy. Friends and family, yeah. I, Evan Mobley's your brother, come on in. But I'm, I like the fact that he's used the summer league to get better. He's using facilitating. He's got better dribbling. Um, he's, you know, putting up the points. So my thing is, if we want to cultivate, we, we applaud the Spurs all the time. We applaud the Denver Nuggets. We applaud those teams that have a culture. Well, we can't be laughing at them if they try to build that same culture. And it well, starts very small with Summer League. When we talk about the culture of those teams, we don't ever talk with Summer League. Now, maybe you're right. I'm just saying, but it's not like we ever bring I up I think summer because the, the, everybody has come to know that the Summer League, the guys that we see in the Summer League, for the most part, are there, are there uh, exceptions? Of course. Mm -hmm. For the most part, these guys are all non-entities in the regular season. That's correct. Mm -hmm. They're there for, it's, it's basically a developmental showcase a way for teams to work out their draft picks for everybody to see what they have. It's almost like an official training camp. And it's, you know? a, and it's a way to fill out your G League roster, basically, sure. for the most part. Right, right. Hey, this guy's worth keeping around. Right. You know, and, and again, I think we all, I think most of us think like, okay, yeah, there's some potential there with Amani Bates. He's done a nice job. But to turn it... You're I, not going to rubber stamp that I, success I, I, I into success at the next I've got to see him play against NBA players, and he's of not. Of course. Right, yeah. yeah. Of course. Of course you got to see that. Before I'm going to get overly excited. Of course right. you, you got to see yeah. that. you got to pay the dividends. Um, Mike, is, did, did we mischaracterize yeah. any of that, what we just said? No. I think you guys are both right. Summer League, as we said before it started, you're not going to really learn anything from Summer League. It is Summer League. 85 to 90% of these guys will never touch an NBA court. Correct. It's mostly a G League showcase. However, to G's point, development starts anytime these guys are on the court playing against each sure. other because the cream yeah, rises to the fair. crop. Right. And the cream in Summer League has been guys, essentially Bates, Merrill, Mobley, Craig Porter Jr., who's looked awesome. And Ken Travers, great. who I really, really like. And if you go to Houston, Cam Whitmore, who fell to number 20, he was being rumored to be looked at by Houston with the fourth pick. He's been unbelievable in Summer League. Yeah. They have a lot of young guys on their roster, their NBA roster, who started playing in Summer League this year, like Tari Eason and Jabari Smith. Or Jabari, yeah, Jabari Smith, who was a third pick last year, who were so dominant in the first two games, Houston was like, nope, can't get hurt. You, yeah. you guys are too good yeah, to be We here. know what we have in you. So it is the first step in development. You would much rather somebody play well in Summer League than not. And you'd much rather they win. And you'd much rather they win. But it but doesn't mean can't, anything. You can't draw any conclusion. Just like right. I that's a, That's probably Friday. the best way I've right. heard it described. Trey uh. Young was terrible in Summer League. Turned out to be a pretty damn good pro. Even right. if I'm not a Trey Young fan, I don't think it translates to winning basketball. He's clearly a good basketball right. player. There have been four or five Summer League MVPs in the last 15 years who you guys have never heard of. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. So... So, As so, I, so, so hold, hold the champagne cork. Let me ask you this. Last, last, last thing real quick. Yeah. You ask me. It's still okay to get excited and have fun with this. Sure. It's still live basketball. You'd rather win it's than lose. There's still something going on. Yeah. And, and we'll get to this in a sec, but I want you to ask your question first. 
the Cavs are still playing for a championship tonight. Right. I don't care. There's only so many championships in a calendar year that yeah. a team could win, whether whatever level. Yeah. There's only one double-A championship. There's only one tri- – like, championships, those don't come around often. So I think there is a benefit for the young guys on this Cavs team who mostly won't ever make an NBA roster to still right. get that That's why I don't get excited about it. So what was your I question? Mean, so uh, would you have rather – because I know where I stand on this – I think that we know what Imani Bates is. We know what his game is. I would have been more satisfied if there was a progression through the five games where it looked like he was, to your point, G, like making smarter basketball plays, integrating into the team concept. So if let's say in the first game he had one assist. I'd like to see him have two in the second game. And then I'd like to push him to have three in the third game. And maybe even five in the fifth game. That's not outside the realm of reasonability. Like, okay, we know you're a tough shot maker. We know what you can do. Let's use this five-game stretch. Let's push yourself. Be a team player. Move the basketball. Get it to the open guy. The fact that he has three assists in five games is almost unbelievable to me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost unbelievable. It's hard. You look at the rest of the roster, almost everyone who plays decent minutes is averaging at least four and a half assists on the Cavs. Yeah. Like Sam Merrill is, Isaiah Mobley is, Craig Porter Jr. is, Luke Trapp. Like, the guys who are playing all And he's averaging assists. .6. I'll say this, though. While, to G's point, in game one, we broke it down. He had 33 touches. He shot the ball 19 times. He passed the ball a total of 13. Like, that's unfathomable to think. Wow. Those numbers have flipped. He hasn't shot the ball more than his past since then. So there is a little progression. Okay, good. I didn't he's know that. Not, he's, and assist a weird number because you have to make the shot. No, literally. you need a completion so on the back it, end. A, it, right, it, but it if you only have three in five games, you're not no, setting no, no, guys I'm up just, that I'm, much. I'm, I'm Some of those are going to fall. Yeah, you know? just give me context here. However, I'll say this. I don't think at this point, he may at some point, like he's still not a shot creator for others. That, that's However, not. gee, he is, and I've been blown away by this. He's not a guy that just stands around when other people have the ball. He's moving. He moves, and he's a really, 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 really good cutter without the basketball. And watch when Sam Merrill drives, especially baseline. He did it twice in the last game. He started in the corner when Merrill had the ball in the corner. Both times, as Merrill drove, he spot up to the wing, which is what you're supposed to do to give a better angle for a pass. There was no angle for the pass because his defender, Bates' defender, didn't follow him to the top. So what did he do? He makes a beeline 45-degree angle from the wing to the bucket. Merrill drops it off. He got fouled on one made the layup on the other. Like, he's a smart basketball player, even if he's not necessarily so you're a shot coming around, So you're coming around on him then because early on— I don't, I don't, well, I, I don't want to say come around because I don't watch enough of him in college and, like, broke No, but you made game. a pretty definitive declaration the day we were in the gym. I don't know if I'm privy to say it because it wasn't on air, but— we were having a real honest conversation about will this guy ever be anything? And you now granted you were giving me the opinion and the evaluation of others, but people that you really respect. And you were basically telling me this guy's one of the worst basketball players that they've ever seen. Well, well, I I will say this. Am I overstating it? Yeah, I think it's a little overstating, but to the point of he wants to score, you cut to score. Like right, doing what he does is still getting leads, the money based. Yeah, it leads to points at, at the end of the day. And, yeah. I, and I think we're missing two huge things. The first huge things, huge thing is he he is not a finished product, right? 
when you come into the well, league, the idea is none of these guys are right, right. But here's the thing: if you are here and you are here and you have one skill set that you're great at, right? Sometimes everybody ain't gonna be LeBron. Everybody don't have the ball in their hands and, and distributing on this team as constituted. Darius Garland will have the ball all the time. Right. Donovan Mitchell will have the ball all the time. And if he doesn't have the ball, Evan Mobley will have the ball. So what you're looking for, if Amani Bates was a ball dominant guy who was passing the ball, he doesn't fit what they need. Right. What they need on this roster is Darius Garland to dribble, penetrate, catch down in the middle, and he can right. spot up, move around, well, catch and, and shoot. Well, that's the thing. Then he better be a great shooter. And we don't, we'll see if he is. Uh, he was 4 for 5 yesterday. I guess. Well, he was, but, but he's playing NBA players. He was he 41% in college. He'll get you. And he's roughly a little, he's over 40% now in five games at summer league what is but he coming in he was 39 percent and, and so and, and i think and then another really big thing that, that we, you take in consideration is as you develop right we saw and we saw evan mobley some of the things that he can do we we want evan mobley to do and evan mobley can't do that it just shows you that it takes time and different development points where people get to the you can't throw the ball to evan mobley right now and say go to work it's just not his game, but he can block shots, and that's in, that's an intangible. And he can play defense, and he's one of the best but, health side defenders. But Evan Mobley can play in the NBA right now. We don't know that this kid can play in the NBA. So here's the small steps, bull. Yeah. What you do is you take a look at the evidence and what he yeah. can show. The coaching staff is, hey, this is where I'm at. They said we're impressed with that. Here's what we're gonna do. Now let's see when training camp comes around. Can you hold up against the guys we got? So now it's going to be him and those other guys. We'll see if Isaiah Mobley can hold up against regular guys in the training camp. Sure. You now instead of and, and you going against these guys, Evan Mobley's closing out on you on yeah. a three-point shot. Yeah. Can you still knock him down? So my thought process to me, a lot of people are surprised where he's at. I'm really not that surprised where he's at, and I'm, I'm going to stand by it. He's going to be and have an opportunity this year to be on a Cavs roster to see what he has. And, and he may do something, he may not do something, but he's going to get an opportunity to play. I, I think it's kind of, I think it's crazy to think that he's going to somehow be like in the G League for a whole solid, like calendar year getting redshirted. He's going to have an opportunity to play. It's just up to him what he does when he gets that opportunity. All right, very good. Uh, in terms of, you know, will I be rooting like crazy for them to win tonight? I'd rather they win again. But to me, it means as much of, as if all the NBA teams got together and played a Yahtzee championship. You know, yeah, if, I don't if care the Cavs happen to win the Yahtzee yeah. championship, that's cool. It's yeah, great. Right. What, but, what would he need? What would you say? What would you come away? But well, I'll ask both of you this. What yeah. would you come away and say you were to say you were impressed? What would he have to do or the team would have to do for you to say, oh, that was kind of there, there's nothing that. they can do. So because, it's nothing. No, nothing. nothing because I know what the competition is. Mm -hmm. I know that these guys are guys they're never going to play against in the NBA. Mm -hmm. So, okay, that they happen to be the best of the G Leaguers. Okay, I'm not, I would celebrate it the same way I would celebrate if the Cavs team G League team won the championship there. Okay, mm -hmm. that's nice. It's cool yeah. that they won. But what does it mean and what does it equate to? The same as if it was a Yahtzee championship. I, I don't pay attention to the Guardians' spring training record. I don't either. No, I, but 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 yeah. here's what you you will pay attention to: a prospect who throws 100 miles an hour and has a good curveball. Yes, oh. but here's why though. Here's <laughs> uh, why. Okay. Because that's his performance. You can isolate, mm -hmm. and you can duplicate. Right. 
what he's doing is is dependent upon the five guys that are on the floor against him at that time. Right. Mm-hmm. And he may get off, you know, open shot after open shot after open shot and make 80%. Mm-hmm. It's not like that translates to an NBA 80%, like a 100-mile-an-hour fastball would in a spring training game. Uh, I w- well, I would say if, if he came out in the next game and you said he had 10 assists, obviously 10 assists is a function you're making that. What, what I want to see him... Oh, Athleticism, that translates to me. Yeah. So athleticism. But I haven't seen that from him. Right. But if I see if I see a, a Guardians, if I see Gavin Williams pitching in spring training, and he's facing Shohei Otani in a spring training game, yeah, that that has some value. Some it does. Mm-hmm. But if he's facing some A baller, well, I don't care what he does there. Right. But sure. It's meaningless. That but but you know what? Like with pitchers in like shortstop, I don't know. Yeah. But with pitchers, yeah. I watched Gavin Williams throw a bullpen. Yeah. In Spring training, and I left, and I was like, oh, "Right, you just, well, you see oh my stuff. god, yeah." I, he wasn't throwing against any hitters. Mm-hmm. I just watched his stuff, right. and you can see, okay, that's major league stuff. I know it when I see it. That's going to work at the major league right. level. What we see from Amani Bates outside of athleticism, because I do believe that would translate. If we see a guy windmilling on the way to the basket and he's making one athletic play after another, I would say. Okay, that's a skill set that you can pack in your toolbox and carry with you to the next level. But outside of that, he, because of who he's doing against, mm-hmm. he might as well be playing against high school kids. I was right. You're I, telling me he can shoot forty percent from three in the NBA? Okay, that's yeah, I'm excited about well, that. Well, here's, but, I, but we my, don't know my, that he can do that. The thing that I think he, the thing that I think translates just by looking at it, the way the in it, what the way the NBA is now is you got to have the way people are switching out guys are so much more athletics. You got Mobley and guys that are seven footers. You got Wembley. The thing that he does is is when he shoots, he's an elite space creator. He can get space on guys that are the same height as him and he can six nine and you really can't block it. I think that he has all of the traits to be a contested shot. But will guy. that translate against NBA defenders? I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, 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 yeah. I, th- I think. This and gee, I'm with you. My yeah. hope is that yes, yes, and yes. He has to I, I, I don't think anybody's sitting here thinking, oh, I can't believe we drafted this guy. No, like, no. Nobody's doing I'm that. I'm just trying to temper my enthusiasm. Right, but I feel like people like like you and I and, and Mike were saying, like, let's wait and see. Let's right, calm right, down. right. Yeah. You're a hater. You're yeah, a no, hater. We're not no, haters. I'm not being a hater. I'm just trying to say, well, I can't get over the top excited. Right. I'm not saying, oh, now, they wasted a pick on this if guy. This was, if we were going into game six of the NBA regular season. And he had been doing this? And his numbers were identical, even with the lack of assists. Hell yeah, I'd be, be on that mountaintop with you. Because at least you. that's NBA games. I would say, okay, it's a small sample size. Right, sure. And, you know, we saw what Jeremy Lint, you know, a small sample size can make a superstar. Yes. But yeah. he can't make an all-star. And so, you know, what I want to see is, I want to see him do this against the absolute elite competition that he would face every single night. And if he does that, G, I'll be the first guy to buy an Imani Bates jersey. I want this guy to be special. I'm rooting for him, number one, because I feel like life's kind of, after giving him a full house. Right. I feel like life has given him a bunch of deuces. Yeah. Like it's it's been right. you know it's been a rough go for him and he's a young guy. I'm willing to cut him some slack. I don't think that what he's done has cemented his future. No. But I'm rooting like crazy for this guy to be a success. Yeah. Especially here. And the truth is, even if he had been the 
the fifth pick in the draft instead of the 50th or whatever he was, mm-hmm. like, I still wouldn't be that excited about Summer League. No. I might think it has well more. I, I might buy that it's more likely to translate, but in the end, even the first player drafted, I don't care what he does in Summer League. For, for an undrafted for guy, I was talking to Tyvis about a little yeah. bit about this. The reason why it matters and what the reason why Summer League is a place where you're like, okay, it matters to get to where you, you guys' point is. So he's a second round pick, right? For him to even be able to get to that point that he's getting minutes to see if he can play at that level, he has to play well in summer. Agreed. League. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So Agreed. you see so so that's why so if you're looking step at one, a step one summer complete. league. It's not meaningless. But it's a lot of steps in the process. So the next yeah, more right. steps. It's not meaningless to him. It's not meaningless to the process. Yes. Right, no. It's meaningless yes. in it's terms necessary of, for him right. to get to where he wants but to go. But in terms of how some people are using this as if it's well, he's going to be this kind of player in the NBA. That's where it's like, okay, right. wait a second. Yes. Yeah, you, I know. You, you, right. yes. you got to see that. And, and now the second part of it, which, you know, is kind of funny because we're not privy to it. Now you go into training camp. Yeah. And now in training camp, now is now you playing against. Now, how, how does it look when, right? We don't know if you can play defense, but you just switched on Darius Garland. You're a liability. Right. Okay. You just went to the basket against Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Can you finish? Oh, you're getting your shot blocked. So now you get an opportunity to see in those that place where now Kobe Altman and and, and the coaching staff have to come up and say, hey, what is he better at? Is he good? To even get to a point where he's coming off the because you know how it is. Like the Cavs are they're a 51 win team. So at the end of the day, they got Pros like I got guys that is getting money, so you he's gonna have to overkill. He's gonna have to be right, just just like a, a free agent in the NFL. Tyvis, uh, I talked to Tyvis. He said, "Yeah, in a training camp and preseason, we hoping for an injury, and then we gotta go out and play. We gotta get a That's pick, right. sure. a fumble, because a strip. If he does it, if he then don't, he is in the G League. Then you is right. in the G League. See, yeah. there yeah. it is. All right, very good. I got uh, a you got read. read. I got trivia question to PCC read. Then we'll talk to the Guardians. Okay, where do you think? Amani Bates rakes, ranks in the summer league in scoring this year in points per game. Uh, in terms of numerically? Yeah, yeah. Not percentage-wise. Yeah, numer- I mean, he has He averages 16.8 16. points a game. Where do you think that ranks in the summer I'd league? say he's top 30. I want to say 20. I want to say 21st. I'm going to say 7th. 42nd. Wow. 21st, yeah. 42nd? 42nd. Well, we're not, there, there's a lot of guys, and I mean, you know, there's 30 teams. If he was the lead, you know, your leading scorer, you'd think would be in the top 30, and he's not their leading scorer. So who's their leading scorer? Mobley? I think Mobley is. Yeah. So then it would put him like 31 to 60, and 42 is halfway mm-hmm. in there. There you go. Yeah. So. yeah. The leading scorer in the summer league was Jabari Smith of the Rockets. He averaged 37 points in two games. Yeah, oh. but see, I, that's, then he left. Yeah. Next is Orlando Robinson of Miami. Never heard of him. He averaged 27 points a game. How wow. many games they play? Four. Did they find another one in this kid? I don't, I don't know. I, he I, shot I 58 percent from the floor and 43 from three. See, I that's impressive though. That that Orlando is impressive. Orlando Robinson. He is a 6'11 power forward. Wow. From uh, he got drafted <laughs> last year from Fresno State. Yeah, never heard of. The Leave guy. it to Miami to find these guys. Again, it's Summer League, too. Yeah, no, I know. And then uh, third was Tari Eason, also of Houston. They shut him down. Fourth was Jaden Hardy. He was a second-round pick last year, 24 points a game. Jaden Springer of Philly, 23 points a game. He was a second-round pick. All right. I think that's so. Yeah. A lot of guys. But I, I, I would only be lot, curious to know where he, a lot of points. where he ranks amongst true rookies because the guys that 
are playing in their second year. The, you know, the Isaiah Mobleys. They're supposed to be better. They got a little taste yeah, of yeah. NBA competition. That'd be like you played five games of varsity. Yeah. yeah. And now you're going down to JV. You yeah. better. Yeah. I mean, Tari yeah. Eason was playing legit NBA yeah. minutes. Got a lot of minutes. Same with Smith. I, it was good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Smith was, was a, they're All good right. players. The uh, real, real, real quick, top five rookies in this class. Keontae George, who was the 16th pick, is averaging 22 in four games for Utah. Javon Freeman Liberty, who they played against Chicago in the fourth game, he's averaging 21. Lester Quinones, Quinius, never heard of this guy, undrafted, 21. Uh, Hunter Tyson is averaging 21. And then Cam Whitmore on Houston, who they'll play tonight, is averaging 21. So those okay. are the top five true All right. rookies. All right. All right, we got a PCC read real quick, and whenever we tell you what the internet is saying, it is brought to us by our dear friends over at PCC Airfoils. If you're looking for a job with career advancement and great benefits, well, PCC Airfoils is a leading manufacturer in Northeast Ohio. All locations of PCC Airfoils in Eastlake, Menor, Wycliffe, mm-hmm. and Minerva are hiring for all positions starting at $18 and up, plus full benefit packages, paid time off, and a signing bonus. You can apply online at precast.com slash careers to learn more. We asked the chat, how interested are you in the Cavs championship game tonight on a scale of 1 to 10? Over 300 votes. 49% said 10 wouldn't miss it. Let's get that ring. <laughs> and speaking of that, speaking of that, I will be sending out texts to our Haymarket members tonight through the game with some breakdown and analysis of what wow. we see. So if you're not signed up, uh, you can become a member and sign up. That is a members only. Mikey, 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 Mikey McNuggets. Is, is that a, is that a, is that a, in the, ch- or by your, just in your opinion, is that a Monty Bates excitement or is it just the fact that the Cavs are in the championship? What, how, how much do you think contributes to that? 55% of Monty Bates, 20% Craig Porter Jr. Because I think Craig Porter Jr. Oh, no. is a, a cool cult following. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I am, and I'm right on board. Uh, listen. Yeah, but he just can't fit in with this team. Uh, yeah, listen, yeah, he's he's going nice. to be a G League guy, but yeah. he, he's, a, he's a hooper. That dude yeah, I like play. him. That dude wow. could actually play. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it, and get ready for the Sam Merrill cult because he don't miss in people's Yo, minds. Sam Merrill is the basketball player I always dreamed I was. Sam Merrill? Really? I, That's who you wanted to be. He don't he miss. He has the, like, he'll shoot and miss seven in a row and shoot. But you that is what you is. need a shooter to have. You That's want the one thing to that. that I could. If I missed two or three in a row, I was so hesitant to pull it again. I feel like five years Sam from Mary. now, when this show is thoroughly <laughs> established, we need to make a deal with the Cavs to have Mike play in a summer league game. Somehow. <laughs> oh, listen. That would be the greatest thing ever. I would do it so fast. Well, I, no, Mike, we thought you wouldn't do. do it. Of course, of course you would course, do it. Course, what do you I would be by far, hands down, unequivocally the worst summer league player in the history. By a lot. Of the, oh, by eons and neons. Yeah. Especially it's in okay. five years. I don't think you'd embarrass yourself. Oh, yeah, I can't go. You'd get the ball taken away from you. Well, you'd, 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 <laughs> you'd be a mess on defense. I'd be a great – I'd take a lot but, of charges. But I let Mike think, spend one day at Cavs training camp. Be a great oh, story. I, I would do that. It'd oh, be a great story. I think we probably have a better chance of getting him on a G League roster for a game there. I, practice, I bet yes. you I can practice with the charge one day. I bet you I can practice with the charge. Yeah, you've got some ins there. And you're a basketball player. You play yeah. college basketball. Like, you're not going to embarrass yourself. What's that seven-footer that the G, Cavs G League team had? Who was that? Um, he was well over seven feet. He played a couple games for the Cavs. Taco, Taco Fall. Taco oh, Fall. Yeah. Taco. I want to oh. see Mike up against Taco Fall. See, told you, man. I, I mean, just want the pictures of yes. the two standing next to each other. Uh, I'll send you a picture right now. I played as a globetrotter, and I had to defend the seven-foot-six guy they had. Nice. Uh, this is pretty Just fun. put it on air. 
Can you show it on air? Yeah, I, I'll put I'd it like to see you alley oop to Taco Fall. That would be fun. I did throw an alley oop to a guy. Yeah. And I'll go hey, we've got Joe Thomas in the wings at yeah, twelve so thirty, which only try. leaves us eleven yeah, minutes yeah. to talk, talk about the Guardians, Guardians, which quite frankly is about all they deserve. Oh my god! After what we saw over the weekend, if yeah. you weren't paying close attention, they built a four nothing lead on Friday thanks to a couple of two run homers by the Naylor brothers, and then they took a dirt nap. They gave up twelve runs after that. Savali pitched great. I'm not sure why he was on such a short leash. I was totally. I, I was, what happened? I was working in my garage and listening to it on the radio, so yeah. I didn't watch it. Right. But when they came back to start the fifth or sixth, whatever sixth, it was, yeah, and they and, and Tom Hamilton said Savali's out of the game. I'm like, what? Why would he be out of the game? He'd given up, I think, a solo home run, and that was it. Yeah, he was pitching very well. And 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 then that game fell apart. And the reason I was even more surprised is because Tito had to know going into this weekend, I can't overwork my bullpen because I'm probably going to go with a bullpen game. On Monday, because right. Bieber, Zavion who now has Curry the four tonight. Yeah, well, he yeah. had to go that route right. yeah. because the bullpen right now, if you Google dumpster fire, yeah, that will be the Guardians bullpen team picture right now. Jay, bullpen. let's face it. This is just not a good baseball team. No, it's not. It's, not, it's over. I've lost you know, any hope that the they're going to do anything. I, I, I love the way Savali's pitching. Gavin Williams and, and Bybee have been really good for the most part. Everybody else, except for Josh Naylor. Yeah. The lineup stinks outside of a couple Horrible. of guys. The Horrible. bullpen's been terrible. You know what, Bull? I'm with you. It's yeah. inexcusably bad. Ugh. This is a major league outfield they're trotting out there. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. And what I don't a couple things I don't understand. Quan Quan went four for five, though. Quan had, had a home good, run. Quan had a good weekend. He had a good weekend. He did. Quan, I, I, I like ask you this, Jay. So right before the All Star break, Bo Naylor, his last two starts before the break, had two good games. Yeah. He went like four for seven with a home run and a couple of doubles. First game after the break, Friday night he starts. It's a home run. Yep. I think he went three for four in the game, whatever it was. Yeah. On the bench two days in a row. I, 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 I don't know. I don't, what, they're not saying what anything. happened? I, was he? Did you? Did you? Did the ball hit you and you didn't have a couple? On. I'm confused. Why he's out of the game? Especially, and you know what? Normally you say, "Well, you rest your pitcher, catcher on Sunday." Yeah. Um, he's just coming off the All Star break, right? And he he's sat Saturday rested. and Sunday. I know. I, I don't know what happened. <laughs> somebody, he's, somebody who always fights with me because he defends the Guardians no matter what they do said. Well, Saturday was a day game after a night game. So? It's the second game Sunday. after the All- Then right. play him Sunday. He's but five years old. Game. Something we don't know the about. The Rangers something. catcher played Friday and Saturday. There's something we don't know about. Either I there was an injury and they're trying to keep it low-key, or he's done something and they're, it's disciplinary. Because you wouldn't take him out of the lineup for your, two days He's one of your only high sources of power. And, Why and, would you? And you know what? Can, I, can we stop with the three catchers already? I know. Yeah, yeah. David Frykid's done a nice job. Keep him as the backup. He has done well. And get rid of Cam Gallagher. We, what if Cam Gallagher's terrible? I don't understand it. And, I, and it, it's so far. And then in the night, they blow this lead. First of all, they blew. They were up either 4 nothing. or Yesterday four, was one. one of the worst losses of the year. But yesterday, you're up 5-2 in the bottom of the eighth. Against the highest scoring team in baseball. Right. Doing a great job. With a supposedly good bullpen. Yeah, and, and, and to be fair, Stefan, before blowing that game last night, had he'd been one of the few guys who'd done a good job. Yeah, that's and why I was so just, disappointed. You know, walk, walk. And you know hit, what? Hit, hit, hit. I know I was listening to it on the radio because I, yeah. was, I, was uh, I was at the golf tournament. Yeah. But I will tell you that Tom Hamilton, just the way he was calling the game, I, I knew through Tom's voice and inflection, because he had st- said a couple of hitters before it was over. Yeah. He can't command the fastball. He can't command the no. strike zone. Yeah. He was. He kept throwing the splitter for ball after ball after ball. Yeah. What are you doing? Why right. are you throwing the same pitch that you can't command? So bizarre. I'm really, so I'm really confused. Again, Tio yeah. has royalty status, and we rarely 
yeah. uh, critical of him. He's having a bad year. But he is not that's doing not his updated, best job. No, way. that's not even close. They're two we and look, a half look, out right now. Nope, nope, that's on us. Yeah. 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 Uh, why? And I know I've made people are like, oh, enough with the Miles Straw. Why is Miles Straw play every day? Why every day? I'm with you now, Bull. And and I'm in the night, Oscar and Gonzalez plays they, no games. They, they, I know. They pissed, and Gonzalez is now hitting almost 280. So you're telling me that Miles Straw is know, an everyday major leaguer, and Oscar Gonzalez is a minor leaguer. Can't play at all. And 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 you know we usually praise the Guardians for their moves. Right. They're wrong on this. They're they're 100. They are wrong, wrong and it's, it doesn't it's, make it's it, not it, defensible. If they again, as we talked about before, if they were the Texas Rangers. And they were scoring hundreds and hundreds of runs. You could hide a guy like then that. Then fine. I don't need. Right now, you've got to take. Even if Oscar Gonzalez comes up here and sucks, you got to take that chance. There's too many holes in the lineup. And then to not pinch hit for Straw in the ninth inning, I you're know. down a run in the ninth. Why? I know they wanted to get you know his speed, but his okay. OPS is his on base isn't great. It's awful. It's under 300. So you can't. Why not bring up? You know who's been pretty good? Who almost never gets a chance is Tyler Freeman. Like. Yeah, and he seems decent. to come through in the clutch. A why not of pinch him? He's not slow. I know. I, I know. I, why not pinch hit him there? I I have found myself second guessing Tito more, more than this year ever than I ever have. I think he's had his, his worst year as a manager, at least here in Cleveland. Why does it seem like it's, they it's, like playing that way? It's almost like they they like like we no. This is what we want. Like we 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 don't want anybody who has power. We want guys that. Can probably particularly at a time when the entire game is gone to power. Yes. Do, do you see? Do you see the feeling you get when you play a team with power? I'm sitting there watching. I'm you're thinking, never safe. You're, you're never. It yeah. just feels like it, you got all the doors locked. You got the ADT system on. You're in the house with the shotgun, but you're still scared. <laughs> so I put out this tweet. Jay, I put out this tweet Friday night. That's good. That Ahmed Rosario, Stephen Quan. Now it's now Quan has another one, but. Ahmed Rosario, Stephen Kwan, and Miles Straw between them, as of Friday, had four home runs in over a thousand plate appearances. That's crazy. And I said, remember That's our old crazy. buddy Yu Chang? Remember him? Yeah. He has four home runs for Boston in fifty plate appearances. Amen. Okay? And people were like, "Oh my God, why are you bringing up him? He stinks. He's got a bad." My point wasn't that Yu Chang is very good. Right. The point is that even you, Chad, to demonstrate in 50 plate no. appearances is hit for. He no. stinks. But Sen- he had four home runs. Those guys had a thousand plate appearances. Now Bull, five. Bull, if Sensu Chu came back, he's right a now. god. He's the best player we've ever. Sensu Chu. And we're like, he's not that good. Like, he's. <laughs> it's, it's What's remarkable to me is, like, last year it was novel. Yeah. Because yeah. you were able to say. The Guardians are doing it their own way, and right. they're winning. Yes. And now we saw what that led to. It led to they lost to a team that hit a whole bunch of three-run home runs. Right. That's what the Yankees mm-hmm. are built for. And that's what gets you by in the playoffs, that and great pitching. But now it's almost like they're being stubbornly yeah, defiant. Yeah, yes. yeah. We're going to do it this way. And they're way. saying, no, this is how we're built. This is yeah. how we're going to roll. We don't want anybody that's going to do it that you way. You can't have an outfield. You can't. Yeah. That does not supply power. I believe now it's eight total home runs between Straw, Brennan, between your and, three everyday starters. I, and Quan. It makes eight. me feel like if you if you if you have an error or you strike out, you ain't playing for us. Can't play you. If you strike out, 
Gary Sanchez. Remember him? He was basically yeah. out of baseball at the beginning of this year. Got picked up by the Mets in the minor leagues. Wow. Got cut by the Mets. When did he got signed him? to a minor league contract with the Padres. They called him up. He's got eight home runs and about 100 plate appearances. I forgot about him. The Guardians' entire outfield is eight home runs. What? Eight. Eight? Eight. The, they're three main guys. Well, Bre- everyday players. Brennan has like five or, or something like that. Brennan's got Brennan five. Brennan has five. He leads the way. Straw, Straw has, has zero. None. Quan has, Quan three. has three. Rosario's. And then if you add him in, he's got one or two. Rosario's a real head scratcher Ooh. for me too. Wait, yeah. speaking of Rosario, real, real quick. If anyone out there has seen the tweet about the extension for Rosario. Yeah, that's Rosario, fake. Yeah, yeah. It is fake. Do not look at it. It's from a fake yeah. account. It is I know our real. buddy Eddie sent it to us. But, but some people took the bait. Yeah. No, and, uh. Reporter in Toledo, I'm not going to name his name. Yeah, don't. Ran with it, so uh, just know that is very fake. That's it is not real. Who ran no, with it? <laughs> there was a reporter in Toledo that retweeted oh, right? God, retweeted yeah. it and tagged the station, and the station retweeted Ouch. it because the Tegna yeah. retweet that's what, goes through. That's what, that's what gave it, gave it legs. Yeah, so yeah, just yeah. so you know, that is very fake. If you see it, he is not under a five-year deal. There's no way they're giving him now, extension. So. No. I was, I was in the camp of keep him. Yeah, yeah. Last year, I'm in I'll the camp too. of he can't be gone soon enough. But here's the thing. Gabriel Arias is not his replacement. No, I I, I mean, listen, to be fair, he's been good lately, actually. Not Arias. Uh, uh, Rosario. Rosario has been good lately. But I'd like to see Tyler Freeman get some regular at-bats right now. See yeah, I would got. too. Because he's played well. Again, he has no power either, at least to this point. Right. But he hasn't played that much. But, like, he, at least he's hitting for a good average. The right? Guardians are going to have oh, to come God. to the realization that you will win nothing no. with small, fast guys that can't hit the ball. <laughs> it's for good to have power. some of those. They, they look like a good track. Every team needs one. It can't be an We've entire got lineup. We've got five of those guys. Yeah, I mean, it's just. You can't. we got to have some power. Oh, they look like Olmstead Falls travel team. That's what they look like. I don't think we lost to y'all one time. Anybody, these guys are still in the race. Win, did the Twins win all three this weekend they or did. just two of them? Yep. So we're two and a half out. Two and a half, yes. yeah. Uh, to me, it feels like ten. Yeah, the way the way we're playing right now. Yeah, it, that feels like Gar- by the way, the, uh, for the Pirates tonight, they're calling up their top pitching prospect to, to make his major league debut. In Pittsburgh is. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And, right. and you guys didn't even talk about that? whether or not Bieber is done. I think the deal's done. Deal's the, I, he's not getting traded. He's not going to trade no. him. He'll he's be here next pitch, year. But he, in scenario, year. he's back in August. So there's always a lot of funny stuff that goes on around situations like this. Sure. It's in Bieber's benefit right now for him to be hurt. Yes. Why? Because teams are looking at him going, oh, he's, he's done. He fell off. He's, he's out he's of done. here. Right. He's pitching for a future bag. Yeah. Yes. And right now, and I asked this question to Zach on Friday, and you were here. The reason I asked it is because if you're the Guardians and you think that this is something real, his, his drop-off, mm-hmm. then you're not interested in trying to work an extension. Right. However, he's vulnerable right now. If you think that that he does have some soreness and, and he's going right. to return, like let's face it, Justin Verlander is ten years older than Bieber when everyone thought he was done, and right. he came back to win a Cy Young. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's I I am not of the mindset that this guy's over the hill and done. I'm not. No, I don't think he's done. I I have said for almost a full year now, going back to last year and yeah. all of this year, something's wrong with him. I don't know what, but you don't lose that kind of right. velocity unless there's something structurally going on. But. He got checked out. They said there's no surgery, so that doesn't mean that he's completely healthy. No, that's true. That's so true. So what I'm what I'm thinking, if I'm the Guardians, and yeah. I think that this is forearm tendonitis or whatever, because I I know what that feels like. It, it's hard to pitch through it. Right. If they feel 
Like this is something that's a blip in the road, a bump in the road, and it's not something that's structural and career defining. Open negotiations with him again. Yeah, I know Zach said he didn't think that would happen. I know, he, he, he didn't. He didn't think Bieber would be interested in it. Well, he said, but, well, you know, usually when you take it this far, you want to hit the open right, market. Right. But He's could, a year and a half away. Yeah. Here's what could happen. If I'm playing devil's advocate and I'm Shane Bieber's representation or a family member or someone that knows him and cares about him, you go out, they deem you healthy, Yeah. you have Tommy John. Now hit the free agent market. Yeah, right. You left a lot of money on the table. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Play the Jose Ramirez card. Yeah. Take the, the a bird in the hand is better than a bird in the bush. Yeah. Or two in the bush. Two in the bush. Yes, you don't right. know what you're going to you get. You don't know. That's right. So, I, I'm just thinking, wondering, the, the, the Guardians are a team that have to re- do this. They have to draft smart, develop well, and get guys on good deals. Get bargains. And, and they got Ramirez yeah. on a bargain. I think that the picking, that he could be ripe for the picking for a bargain. Offer him three and 60. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I feel but if you that, get, I would do it. But. If you could get him for that, yeah. because his representation might tell him, Shane, you know you're not yourself. Your arm clearly isn't right. You hit the free agent market next year. Coming off Tommy John, you could be looking at yeah. two for 24. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's a complete prove-it deal. Sure. Right. All right. The Hall we of Famer. Gotta a, we got to put a wrap on yeah. the Guardians talk because as depressing as this weekend was, on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have an all-time moment coming up at the end of this month and early next month, and that is the official induction to the Hall of Fame. Can't wait. One of our favorite guests, and that is Joe Thomas. What's up, Joe? How you doing, man? Hey, hey man. what's up, guys? Yo. Thanks for having me on. Hey, how's everybody doing? He's got the Hall of Fame glow, doesn't he, guys? Yeah, he does. Yeah. He's shiny. He is. <laughs> He's clearly working on his tan, getting ready for the induction ceremony. Ooh, uh... <laughs> You're ready to go, aren't are you, you, Joe? Are you getting nervous as it gets closer or no? Um... The only thing I'm nervous about right now is all the party planning that's going on. I really had no idea how involved all these different events were going to be. And when you're inviting, you know, 200 people from Wisconsin that are all traveling out to Canton, Ohio, you got to make sure that all their transportation and their parking and their hotels and everything's all taken care of, especially because, you know, these people are my parents' age, my, my grandparents' age. And so, like, there's a lot of stuff that I have to do that we've been kind of fretting about and worrying about up until this moment that I really haven't had a chance to be too nervous just yet about the actual enshrinement or the speech or any of that stuff. Do you have enough cheese lined up, Joe? Is there enough cheese for all the relatives coming to town? Ooh, that's a good question. We bring our own cheese when we're from Wisconsin. We can't <laughs> trust people to have enough <laughs> cheese for us. Same, same thing with beer. We bring our own beer and cheese. Okay. You can't ever run out of that that's stuff. That's a smart It'd be play. too tragic. Yeah. Uh, what percentage would you say your, your speech is completed right now? Are you in the rewrite stage? Are you in the edit stage? Where are you? Yeah, I think I'm honestly about 100% completed. I was going through that process like April, May, and um, the Hall of Fame's great. They give you a speechwriter to kind of help you make sure you can cut it down to the appropriate length because, as you guys know, some of these speakers were going a little bit overboard with the length of their speeches, and so the Hall of Fame has done a nice job of trying to tighten them up so they're five to seven minutes. You get in, get out, say a few important points, thank the important people, and leave the stage like we don't need to thank every single youth football coach that everybody had and everybody that had any hand in this person making the NFL Hall of Fame. So I think it's good. Then it doesn't have to be competitive. You can just thank the people that are the closest um, and give a couple of quick points. And hopefully the crowd, I think, 
doesn't get bored and fall asleep, especially if it's not overly hot. If it's like 90-something, eh, you're probably going to be sweating like crazy. You're not going to fall asleep. But hey, if the weather's comfortable and uh, guys were going a little bit too long, you might have a few eyelids being shut out there <laughs> because you got nine inductees. And you know, Joe, what are you, do they give you like a replica backup bust? Like, obviously you got one in Canton. <laughs> do they give you one, you one for like, your house that you got at the crib where you just people walk through? Because here, like in, in our community, we have like a, every aunt or, or cousin or your grandmother have this room where it's furniture in there and it's white, but it but there's plastic on it. So you can look in mm. there, but you can't sleep on it. Do you have do you have a bust that you're gonna put in your house that the kids can look at, but they can't touch? You know, that that's funny because I grew up in a house just like you guys. We had a dining room and then we also had a like formal living room. Yeah. And it was it was literally half of our first floor and nobody ever went in it. Yeah. Because it was like, okay, Christmas dinner and that's it. That's and it. then we can eat here, and then we'll go sit over there and have some drinks, and then that's the last time you ever get to sit right. in this room. And I'm like, Mom, why do you only use half your house? Like, we smash this into these tiny kitchen and this tiny living room over here when we could use all this really nice. No, that's not the way it is. You have to have your formal dining room and your formal that's living so room. But, uh, you know, the, the Outland Trophy was cool that I won in college because they give you a replica of the Outland Trophy so you can put on your, uh, on your shelving over there. I don't know if... You can see it. Oh, it's over there. Yeah, maybe yeah. you can see it. Joe's so good, he threw it away. He's nice. like, oh, yeah, I see it. So there's yeah. Alan. He's got it um, hidden behind a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like that's typical yeah, Joe hats, Thomas. A few extra books that I've never read, you know, some papers that I probably some bills that I owe. Um, but that would be kind of cool because I as far as I know, the only place you can go to see the bust is Canton. Like they don't even give replicas to the teams um, for them to be able to display from what I understand in their facility. So that's a great question. I, if you can start something, I, I don't know if it's possible. Maybe there's some rules against it, but um, I don't know if I would want to bust of myself in my house. However, I can imagine that the Browns maybe in their facility yeah, or they like in their stadium would maybe want to be able to have like their own little, Hall of Busts of all the Hall of Famers. Hall of Busts. Well, the Browns, we could have the Hall of Busts. We could have uh, Johnny Manziel in the Hall of Busts. <laughs> we could have Justin Gilbert. That's right. There's been a, there's been yeah. a lot of first-round picks since you, Joe, that we could put in the Hall of Busts. <laughs> it, would be a great, it would be a great museum. Very interesting. You'd have the Hall of Busts on one side and then the and Hall the of bust. actual Busts on the other <laughs> side. And you what? could tell the full story of the Cleveland Browns. Outhouse and penthouse right there. Look left, look right. Justin Gilbert. Oh, oh my God! Yeah, our, <laughs> unfortunately, we'd have way too many on the yes. bad wing than yeah, the good that's wing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, Joe, when when you look about when you look back on your career, and I imagine you were doing that when you were writing your speech and you're reflecting back on the entirety of your NFL career. Um, and I'm not asking you to give us a preview of your speech because obviously uh, we all want that to be a surprise. But what's the? How have you sort of summated your career? in these last couple of months as you've reflected back on it. Yeah, right in the speech, I mentioned that you kind of want to give a couple points that you feel like are important to you that you learned throughout your life or through your, throughout your football career. And I think I learned a lot about being a team player, about teamwork and what makes teams special. Um, obviously not a ton of success, but I don't think that limited me from learning what makes the greatest teams the best. And I think one of the things is that 
nobody's contribution is any more or less important than anybody else. Like it's impossible to say that the person that's sweeping the floors at night that nobody gets to see is less important than your starting left tackle. And when you have a true team that all works together, nobody really cares what the credit is for, who gets the credit. It's all about just buying in and doing your job and becoming that ultimate team. And I think that's one of the themes that I'm going to talk about because as an offensive lineman, I don't score points. I don't catch passes. I don't pick up the ball unless my man got a sack fumble on the quarterback and I got to save the day and grab the ball. Um, I don't even get tackles except if there's interceptions and bad things are happening. Um, But I feel like as an offensive line, we have a lot of pride because we have a lot of impact in giving those other guys that do score those points opportunities throughout the game to be great, to be the person that everybody in the crowd is cheering. And I think that's one of the things that I had a chance to reflect on about my own career, um, about my 10 and a half years without missing a play and kind of what that meant to me and what that says about me as a teammate to those other guys. I love how Joe says, I was always only making a tackle or touching the ball when my guy got a sack fumble. Like, that ever happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he barely Our gave up any Joel's sacks guy. your whole career. <laughs> yeah. 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 He said, okay, Joel's guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You didn't get beat that way. I was way. covering for him. Hey, uh, I've asked a number of Hall of Famers to do this, and I've always been fascinated by the response, and hopefully you'll participate. Can you give us three words that describe you as a football player? Uh, consistent, um, fastidious. Wow, that's the first time I've ever heard that word in that used it that, that way. <laughs> I was going to say attention to detail, but I'm like, that's more than one word. Yeah. I did go to the Harvard of Midwest Wisconsin. However, <laughs> attention to detail is still not one word. So fastidious. Well done. And what was the third one? Yeah, I- one more. Oh, uh, now I forgot it. It's a uh, consistent attention to detail, fastidious. And disciplined. Disciplined. Nice. Yeah. Well, those, you know what? You can translate those those three words yeah. to any profession, and you're going to have a successful <laughs> employee. You're going to have a, a winner. Those are obviously three characteristics that most winners have in common, and that's clear that Joe's used those attributes to ride all the way to camp. Yeah. Joe, there's a, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on the current team for a minute because there's a lot of hype for this team right now. Fans are very excited we all know that if Deshaun Watson can play like the guy he was in Houston, that there's no limit to how good this team can be. I mean, this is probably the most talented roster top to bottom in forever that the Browns have had. Uh, if Are you confident Deshaun will play at that, can still play at that Houston level? And if he does, are they good enough to compete with the Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffaloes of the AFC? Mm-hmm. Yes and yes, absolutely. Like, we didn't really see the true Deshaun Watson at all last season because of two things. Obviously, the huge layoff that he had and being a quarterback is all about consistency and day in and day out getting those looks from the defense so you can deliver the football where it needs to be on time and on the money. And then having a rapport with your receivers and within your own offense and kind of thinking on the same page as your offensive coordinator. And all of those things were totally out the window once Deshaun got back from his suspension because he'd missed so much time and not only time away from football, but time once he got to Cleveland. We were there with him in training camp, and he was looking pretty good. And I remember being there on the day the NFL came down with his extended suspension. 
And once that happened, me and Nathan Zagar were looking at each other like, hey, I, I don't know what you can make of this season because even when he does come back, he's going to be so rusty because the NFL game is hard. Like the difference between the first quarterback, the best quarterback in the NFL, and the 32nd quarterback is there, but it's not like it's this chasm like you would see in high school or college football. Like the the difference between good and great in the NFL at quarterback is pretty small. It's three or four plays per game, and sometimes those plays are just not throwing the football in one spot and tucking it and running it and making those quick decisions that you have to make that the only way you can be able to make them is if you're consistently getting those reps in practice and the game. So I think it's going to be a totally different Deshaun Watson this season because he's going to be, one, not rusty from having the huge layoff, but also because he's had a lot more time working with Kevin within this offense and with these pass catchers to make sure that they're on the same page so that they're all you know, preaching out of the same hymnal. You know, I know you haven't had a chance to watch it. I don't know if you will at some point. Your life is crazy busy. Maybe after the Hall of Fame, who knows? I know because I, I wanted Mike to ask you if you'd seen this quarter. I don't know. Have you heard of this documentary that's on Netflix, this quarterback documentary? I've heard of it, and I yeah. would love to watch it. Getting in the mind of a quarterback just sounds fascinating. I, I know. Mike just got mad at me. He's like, I told you that Joe hadn't seen it. I know you haven't seen it. <laughs> this will be a great conversation. No, I've never seen re- it, but I, it sounds like The reason I bring it up is because of all the things you just pointed out. Like, I don't mm-hmm. – it really shows you this this documentary more than anything else, way better than Hard Knocks. For a quarterback, especially, because there's so much responsibility on the quarterback, which you know, but we didn't like G played major division one college, so he has a clue, not the NFL level, but he has more of a clue than we do. But I have no clue. I never played football at any kind of high level besides being a kid. So like you have no clue unless you like this I think is the first thing that's ever opened up. Like it's like my God, the work that the quarterbacks have to go through every week. Of course, Deshaun Watson wasn't going to be good after missing that time. We were foolish to think he might be. Yeah, and and really, the only quarterbacks that can have success after a huge layoff like that or when they're young in the NFL are guys that are just winning with their athleticism. And now Deshaun's a tremendously athletic quarterback, but – they want him to be a pocket passer first yeah. and then win with his legs when he has to. And so when you look at rookies and second-year quarterbacks in the NFL that have great success, it's typically because they're doing it with their legs. And then that's opening up wide-open things in the secondary. But to be a guy that wins within the pocket or just within the confines and the rhythm of a normal offense, you got to have so many reps and you got to be at tip-top shape physically and mentally to be able to quickly make those decisions and then on top of all that now you got to deliver the ball accurately and on time and you have one and a half to two seconds on each play to be able to do that after the ball is snapped it's incredibly difficult and you got to remember too like whatever you put on film this week now the defensive coordinators next week they're all watching that and then now they're going to try to bait you into any tendencies that you had from the week before so that they can pick you off and really the difference between a good game or a not-so-good game at quarterback might just be two throws. You go from having two touchdowns and 280 yards passing and no interceptions, now you get two touchdowns and two interceptions. That's a totally different ball game, and that really comes down to just making two decisions that were either just a little bit late or were just not the right decision in that moment. And so the difference between victory and getting your butt whipped at quarterback is unbelievably small, and that's why those guys – hardly ever take any time off. You never see a quarterback leaving the building early and they're 
pulling long hours even in the off season because it's just so difficult and there's so many things that you have to learn and be able to process at light speed. Joe, how difficult is it for an offensive lineman? You know, when I play defensive lineman, you you can get it's it's different ways you look at trying to stop quarterbacks that run the ball or who are elusive, mm-hmm. and then there's you know quarterbacks that present a different challenge because they just get rid of the ball so fast and you're just like. I'm chasing a rabbit. I can't get home. These guys are one, two, three balls gone. But for the offensive lineman, mm-hmm. you, when you go from Jacoby Brissett to Deshaun Watson, where now you're doing more scramble drills, now you got a guy that extends plays, and, and you may be used to holding a guy or used to the ball coming out, but now you're looking around. Is it difficult to transition into a guy that, that moves around a little more than, than a strategic, just a straight drop back passer? I think it's just a little bit more difficult because you got to have yourself a little bit more physically in good condition because when you've got like a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady back there, you got two, two and a half seconds. You know the ball's going to be gone. There's not going to be any chasing your guy left and right outside the pocket down the field. Like he just gets back. You get in your man's way like a bump on the log for a second and a half, two seconds, and your quarterback's throwing the football. But now when you have a guy like Deshaun Watson, what you have to do is you're watching your defensive lineman's eyes, right? Because you're trying to see where he's looking to try to determine where that ball is right now. Because you have no idea what Deshaun's doing behind you. You can kind of understand from the confines of what the play is. But when he decides to leave the pocket, now it's a matter of watching my defensive lineman's eyes. Okay, his eyes went over there. Boom, now I got to turn. Now I got to run and try to keep up and keep my body between him and the quarterback. And all of a sudden, if my guy turns and runs and his eyes are downfield, okay, I can assume that the ball got thrown. But um, really, it's just kind of playing off of his body language and being willing to extend the play, whereas pocket passes, you don't have to do that. Yeah, that's incredible. Just I never, I, I asked that question. I didn't know I was going to get that answer because yeah. I never knew it. Like, so I never knew what that was. I'm like, are you looking at eyes now? Okay. But that, you know, that's the difference. You talk about the difference between a good quarterback and a great quarterback might be two throws. Yeah. I, I feel like, and I'm sure you're not the only offensive lineman that learned to look at the defensive Not everybody's eyes. doing that. No but, way. Well, here's the thing. Even yeah. if everybody's doing that, not everybody is good enough to look the d- defensive right. player in his face and still be able to stop him. Right. It's, it's, it's multitasking at the next level, and that's the difference. Not to mention the absurdity of the fact that defensive linemen get rotated in and out. Like It's not like Joe's coming out every fifth sure. to take right. a Right, he's going up against fresh legs all the time. Right, I mean, like, even Miles Garrett, who plays more than most defensive linemen, is not playing every single play. Whereas Joe's playing every single play that the offense literally does. did yeah, play yeah, every single play. It, it is just crazy. We recently, I, I, this is driving me crazy during this whole interview. I've been trying to think about who said this, but so I don't even know if it was on the show. I don't know if I was talking to somebody on my podcast. I have no idea, but somebody was talking about when you were a rookie and like, it was obvious right in the beginning that you didn't need the same learning curve as a rookie that other guys did because you came into the league like already knowing stuff that veteran players knew do you I, I can't remember who the hell told us that maybe it was I don't know but somebody told me that in the last week is that true or is that people overhyping you now did you come into the league as a guy you were not a typical rookie I mean, it seems that way because you were great as a rookie is that true though you must have had my mom on your podcast What's because she's the only person that would say such nice things about me. Uh, no, I, I think I, I had a big benefit playing at Wisconsin. We played 
in a pro style offense. My offensive coordinator was Paul Christ. He'd been in the NFL a long time. He ran the Norv Turner, Don Coriel type offense. And so from a terminology standpoint, from a technique standpoint, like there wasn't a huge learning curve. You see so many guys now that play in these versions of spread or the run and shoot type yeah. stuff that they're not doing anything the same when they get to the NFL level that they did in college. And so it's like starting back at square one. Um, so I think I had an advantage there, but also like I talked about at the beginning of the show, like my attention to detail was always the one thing I thought that was my superpower over not only my other offensive linemen, but the defensive linemen, because I was going to focus on things that were smaller than anybody else on that field that most people would just think is inconsequential. But I knew maybe once every three games, it was going to make a big difference for me. Um, and so that's kind of how I studied. And I, I think I always took the perspective that, I'm not good enough. I, I can't do this. I'm not going to be able to figure this out. Like I had that imposter syndrome, but I think that was good for me because it motivated me to try to strive for perfection, even though as a rookie, I was pretty good. I made the Pro Bowl and like people were talking about me as an offensive lineman, as a starter in the NFL. But all I could think about was the mistakes that I made and how I could change what I was doing from a process or a preparation standpoint and become an even better offensive lineman. And that was constantly what I strove for. And I think that's why by year 10, year 11, I still felt like other than injuries slowing me down, I was playing my best football because my brain was working a lot faster yeah. than everybody else. Joe, we're going to play a game as we uh, say goodbye. Uh, Ooh, see how well yeah. you know your fellow Hall of Famers. But quickly, before we move on to that, I, I, I think you'd make an unbelievable general manager. Any interest at all to be a front office uh, employee personnel in the NFL? That would be a lot of fun. I know personally with my wife and kids, we're kind of waiting until the, the kids are maybe out of the house before I would take a serious, significant full-time gig like that. Um, but I would never say never because wow. I love the game of football. My goodness. And coaching or front office work would be a dream come true. And I guess the question is, you know, right now when the kids are at home, they're my priority. I got to be the jungle gym and the guy that gets yeah. kicked in the nuts by my son all day. <laughs> uh, but when he's gone and he's in college and so I can cut up his credit cards. So how old is your youngest, Joe? <laughs> my youngest is four. My, mm. oh, she's so she's turning five in September. Years, so we then. got some time. <laughs> all right. Yeah, we'll have several Super Bowl Joe's still a young man. He is. He's yeah. very young. But I think <laughs> yeah. he'd be a tremendous, tremendous he general would. manager. His knowledge of the game he's and so all smart. things related to it are incredible. Yeah. All right, let's play the game. So Mike, Joe, tell them how it's going to work. We have eight of these. It is essentially true or false. I will give you a statement about one of your fellow Hall of Fame inductees, and you tell me if it's Ooh. real or fake, true or false. And once oh, again, I like it. sometimes right. we do this uh, for players in Cleveland, and I'll change one stat. These are either all true or all false. There's no little fegalities. This is either all real or all false. I think Mike has made Joe, up a word. I don't know. Fugazis. Yeah. What the hell is that? <laughs> I'm from, I'm from New Jersey. I love yeah, Fugazis. It is what it is. Fugazis. I love that word. <laughs> this game better not be Fugazi there, Mike. No, this game is good. We, we, we got, got Joe Thomas <laughs> using fastidious, and we got Mikey the McNuggets using fugality. Alright, number one. For the first three years of his career, Zach Thomas earned the league minimum and lived with teammate Larry Izzo. Is that true, Joe, or is that false? I'm going to say it's true, but there's technicalities because he was a draft pick, so he probably had a signing modus, but then he would add league minimum. And I do believe he lived with Larry Izzo because I know they were both on special teams to start their career. 
Do you guys agree? Yeah, I, I said, said true. I said false. I'm just like, that can't be true. But not after hearing Joe say that, it probably is Joe, true. I'm with Joe. Joe is one for one. All right, that very good. That is very yes. much true. Joe, off to <laughs> nice. start. Now, now, Joe, listen, we can't, you can't wear the belt if you win. We would have to take a picture and send it to you. Um, but you can't have the belt for winning. So we'll, we'll just do that. All right, number two. All right, question number two. In the Pennsylvania 2A state title game his senior season, Darrell Revis scored five touchdowns, three rushing, a punt return, and a blocked field goal return, while also completing a pass in the game and picking off the opposing quarterback to seal the win Jeez. in the fourth quarter. Hmm. True or false? It's going to end up being I'm like saying false. Yeah, because he's a tremendous athlete, but there's so many stats in there. It seems like this is something that uh, McNuggets would have just thrown together to try to fool us into believing that Revis is a great athlete, which he is. Yeah. But he also had these fantastic, unbelievable game here in the in the title game. Yeah, I think it, it, probably a regular season game. Know. If he did that in the state title game, we all would have heard about it. I like right Joe's now. logic, but I, I think Mikey's not creative enough creative enough to come up with all these. <laughs> I take offense to that bull, Ooh, and guess what? Shots You're fired. right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dang. That's true. Wow. Gee, that's that's a that lot. is amazing. That's, I never thought Revis was crazy. He did everything. I guess that's uh, why he's a Hall of Famer. He also marched in the band at halftime. <laughs> Joe is one for one. Uh, one for two, excuse me. Question three. Rondé Barber has a twin brother named Tiki. We all know that. He's also the father of a pair of twins. Sean and Alexander. I'm copying whatever. The Sean and Alexander thing is a giveaway. Hey, hey, no way. I'm copying whatever Jay says because he knows him intimately and <laughs> is, is, has shared cocktails with both brothers at once the same time. That's a fact. I don't know really, but I just said it. Tiki, uh, Tiki doing sports talk in New York. False. False. I'm going false. true. And I stumped ball. This is very false. Yeah. Jay, you got me. This I should have known. Alexander point. gave it away. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sean and Alexander funny. gave it away. You're right. I should have known better on that one. Does he have kids? Do you know? I think he does have kids, but I don't think he has twins. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, it's either all real or all false. The Sean and Alexander was like, okay, that's good. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> and they're named Franco and Harris. <laughs> I, yeah, that, that, that's on me. Okay. Question number four. DeMarcus Ware did not lead his high school team in sacks as a senior. That honor belonged to OCU Minora, Super Bowl champion of the New York Giants. Are they that same age? Well, so they you got first stab at this. True or false? OC could have been a sophomore or junior they or younger. Could've. I don't know. Joe, mm -hmm. what do you think? Uh, I'm going to say false. I knew that DeMarcus had a great college teammate at Troy, I thought, but I don't know about high school. Yeah, Joe says false. Yeah. Jay, you say I, false. I'm going false. It's got to be false. Isn't OC older than DeMarcus? That's what I thought, true? but DeMarcus could have been a freshman maybe. But how is he Nobody the says as a senior. And Bull says senior. false. The answer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that. The answer true. is true. Ah. Really? And guess what? Oh, they man. both went to Troy together. What? And they played oh, on the same that. defensive line at Troy with Marcus Watt. They had three NFL wow. players on that high school defense. Who the hell was recruiting hey, bad, at Troy? Bad, bad job of the D1 schools for letting those guys go to Troy. What the heck is going on with y'all? Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine OCU Manure and DeMarcus wearing the same Are you defensive serious? line in high school? Did they just Jeez. get better? Did they just, 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 it's that, ridiculous. That is wild. Nuts. They go to a really tiny school, maybe? Auburn, Alabama high school, ironically. Or Auburn High School in Alabama. It, that makes it even more surprising yeah, that they didn't stunning. go to either Al Alabama or Auburn. Yeah, that's crazy. Right. Yeah. 
This may go a little past 1 p.m. We got four left, but we'll get you out of here quick, Joe. I promise. Next one. Joe Klecko told Sports Illustrated Magazine the top athletic accomplishment of his life was winning the annual Chester, Pennsylvania hot dog eating <laughs> contest when he was 16 years old with 13 hot dogs in six Dang. minutes. Ooh, I'm going to say true. That sounds incredible because I don't think I could eat 13 hot dogs in six minutes. But if he did it, that would be the top accomplishment in my life as well. <laughs> Jay says true. So everyone says true. Yeah. I stumped this panel. Oh. That is false. There is no record oh. ever of Joe Klecko participating in a hot dog. You just made the whole thing. Oh. I told you wow. I was making it all up. By the way, one of the, biggest, one of the best names ever, of course, was that Jets D line was called the New York Sack Exchange. Yeah, that was great. That worked It was well. him, Mark Gastineau, right? Abdul Salam. Good job. And oh, you I lived in New York the fourth at the time. Guy. I just remember Gastineau and Klecko together. Yeah. They were a beast pair. Okay, mm-hmm. next right. one. We got three more. Mike, please, one more. Yep, Rondé Barber, back to him, is the only player in NFL history with 45-plus interceptions and 25-plus sacks. Jake is confident on this one. He didn't let me finish the sentence before he put it up there. Joe, Mm. what do you think about Rondé Barber? I'm going to say false. I don't think that Rondé Barber had that many sacks in his career. He was a cover two corner. Those guys don't blitz all that much. I mean, Aeneas Williams, I don't (sighs) I'm saying true. Jay, I know you know Rondé intimately. I'm going true, too. I was there. I covered those teams. Uh, oh, I, I, my only, my only trepidation <laughs> here is I know he was the first. Someone may have done it since him, but I'm not sure. Maybe Charles was. You said it had to be all true or all false. It's all true or all false. Yeah, yes. I'm going true then. And it is true. Yeah. He is the only one. Wow. So through six wow. questions, let's get a score update real quick, Anthony. Yeah, so Ooh. in the lead we have G. Bush. Let's not. <laughs> in second place is Bull. And then tied for last we have Jay uh, and Joe. Damn, Joe, we're sucking at this. <laughs> All right, we got two more. Yeah. Let's take it, Steve. And I keep saying, Steve, it's director Mike. Mike's killing today. I apologize, Mike. DeMarcus yeah. Ware finished third on his season of Dancing with the Stars. Bobby Jones won the title that season. Did DeMarcus finish third? Bobby Jones? Who's Bobby Jones? He might be real. He might be fake. Bobby, That's no. a fake name, right? Bobby, Bobby Jones? False. That's so generic. That's got Bobby Jones. Yeah, you know I'm what, going no, false. I don't know who Bobby Jones is. That's, Joe says false. False, false. Joe, did you, dan- did you do Dancing with the Stars once? No. No, never did. They, would you uh, they do Dancing with guy. the Stars? I think it would be honestly too physically demanding. I've seen <laughs> what those guys go through, and yeah. I, it, it really beats you up. It does. Uh, and I don't think I have the joint space or the cartilage to be able to survive. <laughs> joint space? That's Everybody said false, Mike. False. Everyone said false. Super I, so I, false. I went with the creative names last time, and you guys were like, yeah. Those are too abstract, so I went generic today, and now it's time Bobby to find Jones. a spot for names. It's hilarious. All right, last one. All right, Joe, we have one more. The last one, if you get this right, you finish 500. Zach Thomas went 33-0 as a senior heavyweight wrestler in Texas, posting a oh, – I wrote that wrong. But he went 33-0 and won the 4A Texas and state And he spelled route wrong. This is all me. You know, I wrote this, and I erased it to reword it, and I just totally Jeez. botched that. But the statement remains. Zach true. Thomas went 33 and 0 as a senior heavyweight, posting a record of 33 and 0 on his way to going 33 and 0. Listen, even even the immaculate Joe Thomas gave up at least one sack in his career. We all make mistakes. That's, that's true. This is the third did one you though. Just for compare you yourself to Joe Thomas. Yes, he did. Okay. Yeah. What a straight uh, face. Uh, <laughs> 
all. I feel like Zach wouldn't have been a heavyweight. He's not that big of a guy. He's only like 5'8", so he probably wasn't that heavy in high school. So I, I feel like that is not true, that part alone. Um, he was probably... He'd probably play tennis in the winter or something. S Sally like that. <laughs> Sally. <laughs> Jay says true. G says true. Bull says true. And you know what, Joe? You're going out on top. It is false. The only wow. yes. The final question, right? And that is how well does Joe Thomas know his fellow Hall of Fame inductees? And with that, Joe, you move out of last place. You beat Jay. Yes. Jay officially comes in last. <laughs> there you go. You tied with Thank Bull you. for second. And G. Bush is our winner of Hall of Fame. Oh, it keeps the belt. We don't have to worry about sending the belt to Wisconsin. No, no. I'll bring it. I'll bring it. I'll be, I live in, I'm from Canton, Ohio. We'll just bring it down oh, and perfect. take a picture with it. Joe, you're doing the Browns preseason games again, right? Yep. Yep. They've, exactly. They've got, they're home on August 12th, I want to say. Um, Is that I versus the Commanders, I think? Yeah. I imagine you'll yep. be in town early. If your schedule permits and there's any way you can come to studio the day before, we'd love to have you as a studio guest. Okay. I appreciate so, it. That'd be great. It'd be fun to be able to chop it up in person with you boys. Yeah, yeah. We'd have plenty of beer and plenty of cheese. That's a promise. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. So, all right. I so, can put us down tentatively as August 11th. We'll reach out to you to <laughs> Thanks, see if we Joe. can firm it up. And, of all course, right. Thanks, um, good luck Good luck at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. I can't wait to hear what you have to say right, and, uh, and watch awesome. you enjoy your big day. Thanks, Joe. As always, wonderful stuff. Thanks, Joe. My all right, pleasure, Joe. guys. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely. The fastidious. Joe, he really is. I think tough. I think smart. Yeah, I do too. I loved his words, though. Consistent, absolutely. He'll be funny. Like, at his he will be speech, funny. No doubt. He yes, is, he will. He it is, is 102. We went over. We'll anything. be overtime in a sec. We'll see you guys in 30 seconds. All right, see ya. I feel like he could do. Members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.